Ross Ribliati, we haven't talked about Ross for a while. Of course, he was the uh, first snowboarder to win an Olympic gold medal. He won gold in the giant slalom at the Nagano Olympics in Japan in 1998. And then that was taken away from him. Like, I think like, two days later, IOC stripped him of his medal and kicked him out of the games because he tested positive for the use of <gasps> marijuana. No. Yes. Imagine a snowboarder smoking the ganja. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. But uh, he did. And so basically he he lost his medal. I think his medal was reinstated, though. So it was this big rigmarole. We're looking to talk to Ross Rubliati, who Chris is trying to call right now because he had said that, yeah, I'm good to go. Uh, I'll come on the show because now Ross is... um, He's asking for the World Anti-Doping Agency to take marijuana off the list of banned substances. I, would, know, I would think it would impede your performance, honestly. Like when that happened back in 98, I was like... Yeah, but you it? can get in the zone. You're super hyper-focused. You could or you couldn't. <laughs> Depends. Yeah, I guess you're right. Some people like, oh, did I do up my bindings? I can't remember. Oh, wait. Hang on. Okay. What is this thing on my feet? Where am I? What are we doing again? All right, we have, uh, do we have him, Chris? Give me a big, big thumbs up here if we've got Ross Ribliati. All right, we've got Ross on the line right now. Ross, how are you? Good to, good to have you on the show. Oh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Ross, um, you were the first snowboarder to win an Olympic gold medal. I want to, can you take us back to the Nagano Olympics in 98 and with the feeling of winning the first Olympic gold in giant slalom? <laughs> it's really hard to put into words, to be honest, but the, uh, experience for us started four years before Nagano in 94 when we learned that we were going to go to the Olympics and uh, you know the sport had been you know lobbying the IOC for years before that to get in so it was pretty phenomenal that uh, we got that news and also uh, for the first time we had a race that was four years out which we weren't used to so um, to imagine what it was like to not only go to the Olympics potentially but um, to be the first ever um, gold, you know, medal in the sport in in the history of of you know the sport for the Olympics was also a big deal for all of us because not all athletes get to compete for the very first time mm. um, when your sport goes to the Olympics. So uh, it was quite the the ride into the Olympics. Lots of anxiety, um, lots of uh, you know just stress and and. Um, hundred percent, you know, all in sort of devotion. Did you feel Um, like you were really representing, I know you're representing Canada, but did you feel like, wow, this is really important for Canada because this is a winter sport and, you know, snowboarding had taken off. Well, yeah, snowboarding was popular at the time as well. And that's what, you know, helped it get into the Olympics, Mm -hmm. added some new young blood into the, the viewership and, um, you know, to represent Canada at the Olympics at, at, at any level in any sport is an honor and um, something that we dream of as kids growing up watching the Olympics, whether it be summer Olympics or winter Olympics. And in Canada, we have quite the history of uh, gold medals in both winter and summer. Is that a bird in the that. background? I wish. That's my kid Rocco. <laughs> He's is three he and a half. imitating a bird? Okay, Rocco. Yeah, yeah Rocco. All right. Yeah, I got a couple other kids too, Ryan and Rosie. Nice, Rocco, Ryan, and Rosie. I like it. It's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so you know, yeah, I, we're doing real life here. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm all for it. We're all about real life on this program and, and keeping it real. Back in 1991, I spent a season living and working in Whistler. And back in 91, there were only, I'm not kidding, four snowboards in the rental uh, area of Whistler Mountain. So that's seven years and now you're yeah. going to the Olympic Games. You, you mentioned right. that it was interesting to, you know, you had a race now four years out. Did you, what was the normal training for a race and, and how do you, did you approach it differently training for something that's four years out? Well, the normal training for our races was pretty intense as it was. Um, you know, we did 200 days on snow um, during the year, 150 during the winter and 50 on snow during the summer. And then um, just constant weight training and cardio, um, endurance training in between and during snow days. And, um, you know, we would often travel to Europe in late October and train there for a month straight in Austria before the first race and then continue on to the next venue, train there Monday, Tuesday, you know, to Friday race, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday night, pack up, drive to the next venue, whether it be Switzerland or Italy or wherever and, uh, repeat. And so it was a pretty intense schedule. It was expensive. And I had all my sponsors based in, in Europe because at the time, you know, this was pre Olympics, pre national teams, pre support. So it was very pro and, uh, yeah, there was it wasn't on TV like you say. I moved to Whistler in '90, yeah, and um, eight years later I'm at the Olympics. So I could have served you at Dusty's, Ross. You probably, yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> oh, you were too young. Uh, I get it. No, Kelly, well, I, was I was eight. I was 19 and 90. Okay, well, I probably but, um, served you at, at Dusty's then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Let's. So, uh, you know, it was pre-internet, right? So pre-cell phone. Yeah. So it was pretty isolated on on tour. That sounds like a crazy schedule. So, like, when are you fitting pot smoking in? Where do I fit pot pot smoking? Yeah, in? like, how do you have even time? You're like, oh my god, I gotta uh, smoke a joint well, here to first, deal with it, or I mean, was that yeah. something that was part of? You know, it yeah. was just went hand in hand with the training. You were smoking pot already. Uh, it went hand in hand with my training. Yeah. Um, you know what I was doing in Whistler was unique to you know me and my my other buddies that were all pro endurance athletes whether it be mountain biking or road biking or backcountry stuff trekking um it, can- cannabis was just part of our daily routine and then you know when we moved to europe to join the world cup tour it took us a couple of years to sort of figure out you know how we can safely get cannabis um you know it was before the eu so there was a border uh, every country so we couldn't really travel around with it so yeah it was tricky um it worked great for things like jet lag sleeping when you weren't you know supposed to sleep eating when you didn't feel like eating um you know that whole recovery without having to use painkillers and just like the um luxury of being able to unwind at the end of the day without being intoxicated or waking up with a hangover so you know then that was pre-internet let, let me stress how important that was this was just going by our own experience compared to alcohol basically and uh, over time you know the science um of cannabis has backed up what you know we thought as athletes that it was a healthy choice i want to get into the 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 cannabis because you're now i'm asking wada to uh take it off the prohibited uh substance list um but we're speaking with ross rubliati who was uh the first snowboarder to win an olympic gold medal ross you're standing on the podium in 98 in nagano it's a thrill i can only imagine and i would imagine it's hard to put into words how you feel but then 11 hour then uh two days later you're spending 11 hours in jail what what are you thinking at that point in time oh man 
<laughs> it, it it takes you to you know a a, a really deep um, you know part of you know my life and and an experience that uh, you know is difficult to deal with even ten years later. Um, even to this day, I'm I'm still dealing with it. Um, to rise up, to have a, a build up, you know, first to just put it in perspective. Yeah. Like I was 15 when I started snowboarding, and then I was 26 when I made it to the Olympics. So I had devoted the better part of my life at that point to snowboarding, and um, the four year build up and the uh, the anticipation of being the first gold medalist, let alone a gold medalist, let alone an Olympian, um, competing for your country, uh, and then to have it just ripped away like that. And then not only that, but like other athletes that have been busted for steroids don't end up in jail. So, you know, that was like an added, you know, a little bit of despair in the whole thing. And, you know, we all know in Asia, cannabis is looked upon, you know, quite strictly. So, you know, a severe a frowning that that'll point. keep you in jail. Yeah. Ross, yeah. Uh, yeah. when did you smoke that joint? Do you know now that it was still in your system? <laughs> oh, there was, there, it wasn't a joint. It was like months of secondhand smoke uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day during, you know, barbecues and dinners. And, you know, Whistler's a tight-knit community and, you know, the athletes and the, the young guys that, that work there and women who work in Whistler that support the community that are, you know, service the tourists. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tough go. It's expensive. Most people can't afford it. So we do a lot of potluck dinners and, and um, you know, for the most part, it's a healthy lifestyle. And, um, you know, there's always that crowd that want to get deeper into narcotics and stuff like that but we were more about mm-hmm. athletes you know being athletic and um so cannabis was a big part of our our routine you know we just consumed less alcohol because of it and um you know we we did more days outside more days on the hill more days being healthy and um so it was a lot of secondhand smoke i i felt completely comfortable i, I had i didn't never crossed my mind that this would you know have a Changed the course of your life, really, didn't it? Yeah, and I had three drug tests leading up to the Olympics that were made public during my my episode in Nagano that all came back positive for cannabis, and that was all just before I left. So they could have told me that I was testing positive for weed, and I and I would have instantly realized why because the secondhand smoke, and um, so it was an unfortunate thing that happened at the time. But I knew there was a silver lining, and that cannabis was a. Um, was something that that shouldn't have been put under prohibition. And WADA, since you mentioned WADA, has just recently in the last six months taken CBD off the list of banned substances for, for athletes. So that's really opened the door for coaches and, and national teams to really talk, get that conversation going about what the benefits of CBD are to athletes um, as an anti-inflammatory and anti-anxiety and a plethora of other um, super beneficial things. I want to get into all that with you, but I, I think we have to wrap this this first segment up uh, Ross if we could with you got your medal back right yeah first ever athlete to lose a a medal at the Olympics and get it back and why did they give it back to you cannabis wasn't on the list of banned substances right and pot was only banned if there was events that there was a fear factor in right Um, there was a there was some events like synchronized swimming and ski aerials where they thought that it added a creativity on his fair advantage. So they were, they were calling a performance enhancing on, on those two sports. And there may have been other sports where it was, but, um, on snowboarding, um, during the Olympics, it wasn't. And it's funny because on the world cup tour, cannabis was on the list of banned substances, but there was a different list for the IOC Olympic, uh, giant slalom race, which did not have it on. 
by coincidence and uh or i don't know if it's by coincidence but just happened to not have cannabis on it and so it was just a technicality so it was it was a i went through two appeals and lost two appeals and had to go to the court of arbitration and jail um to just find out that it wasn't even you know, I didn't even break the rules in the first place. Ross, you are asking for the World Anti-Doping Association to take marijuana off the list of prohibited substances. Yeah. Can you tell us, you know, give us, state your case right now, if you could. Well, it's, it's natural. It's healthy. Um, it, it's um, something that can be part of a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. It's non-addictive. Um you know, the, the qualities that it lends to you, whether it be through an edible or, or through smoking it, whether it's a CBD or a THC or a, a one-to-one tincture or, or whatever tincture combination you like. I mean, there's no end to um, the benefit of it. It helps you sleep. It's calorie-free. It's fat-free. It's vegan. <laughs> it's gluten-free. Uh, you know, no, but seriously, it's, it's really something that, you know, it helps with depression. It helps with anxiety and a, a whole bunch of other like very serious like cancer related things concussion related injuries prevention of concussion actually creates a plasma layer between the skull and the brain um, um, cancer fighting um, one of the, the most amazing things that they've recently discovered is that um, when your cannabinoid and your cannabinoid receptors in your body that exist the system that's there when those cannabinoid receptors are full um, it activates your cells that are currently already in your body to do more tests so that they can, those are the cells that go and fight the cancer. It's not the cannabinoids. Everyone's saying how, can, you know, cannabis fights cancer. Well, it kind of fights cancer by enabling the other cells that are supposed to be fighting cancer naturally, but because of a cannabinoid deficient body that we live in because of prohibition, we've been, you know, a sustainable big pharma plethora of drugs that have crazy side effects that are worse than the, the problem in the first place. Uh, where you need multiple other drugs just to combat the, the first drug. So, you know, with a full cannabinoid receptor, with your cannabinoid system fully in operation in your body, your cells that are already there can do their jobs that they're supposed to do and, and mul- multiple more tasks than they're doing right now. We're speaking with Olympian Ross Ribliati. Ross, um, are there any other Olympians that can- are campaigning WADA to uh, lift the ban on marijuana along with you? Not that I'm aware of. I, there may be some past Olympians. I think that the stigma and um, that um, stereotype is still strong within the, the Olympic community and within you know the, the parental guidance of these the, the the young athletes that are going up through the ranks and the coaches have been you know just you know just put into this whole um, prohibition mindset and um, so it, it, a lot of the athletes don't have much to gain by coming out but what we're trying to do is um you know start from the top and wada has really shown um a responsible attitude by realizing that you know cbd is natural it's not addictive it's effective have you ever had any do you know have any knowledge of if uh wada's ever removed any lifted a ban on something they've banned in the past a substance i'm not sure actually i don't know but i do know since Nagano, they added cannabis to the list of banned substances for snowboarding right. um, the summer of 98. And since then, it's gone up a thousand percent. So they've, uh, they've allowed a thousand percent more THC in your body since the summer of 98. And um, so they're, they're, it is moving in the right direction. CBD works better with 
a very small amount of THC. It's called the entourage effect, and as doctors and pharmaceutical uh, industry knows about this um, entourage effect and other drugs and, and um, healthy foods work when they do a part. And um, so the, the, it's, it's moving in the right direction, and Canada, you know, being the first G7 country to, to legalize cannabis for recreational use and to have a very strong can, uh, medical program behind it um, is really beckoning the attention of the other G7 countries, you know, and um, the European Union and I think it was the World Health Organization that's recently just recommended cannabis be removed from the international banned list of substances um, completely, which is the only thing that the United States is holding on to right now to classify cannabis as a, a Schedule One hmm. uh, drug, which is higher than cocaine, so um, more dangerous than, than cocaine as far as the United States Federal Department is concerned. Um, no benefit to society whatsoever. And they also hold the patent on THC. So it, will, you be, some, will you be addressing WADA soon, Ross? Like, do you have... You know, it, it, it's probably um, time, and I, I think, you know, the, the next Olympics uh, being in Japan, in I believe in 2020, and that being kind of by its stomping grounds to, for this movement, the kind of the, the foundation of my 21 years of promoting cannabis uh, as part of a healthy lifestyle. So it makes um, a great venue for that. And um, Japan, it, as a country, has also recently allowed CBD derived from hemp to be um, um, produced overseas and into added value products and then sold um, already processed in Japan. So, you know, even Japan is starting to realize the, the benefits um, to society because there's an aging population in Japan where the senior population is um, greater than the younger population and there's a huge healthcare demand. And they're seeing how CBD can relieve the, the costs of healthcare greatly. And uh, this is something that um, the government is taking seriously as a way to um, create a healthier population. And we all know how long Japanese can live for because yep. they're already super healthy. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, uh, this, so the, the more natural and the cheaper that people can can live healthier, the better. Ross, I'm I'm keeping you too long here, but thirty seconds or less. I hear the IOC is recommending breakdancing to be added along with skateboarding, sports climbing, and surfing to the 2024 Olympics. Uh, breakdancing aren't they an art form? Do they belong in the Olympics? It's it maybe 25 years too late. I don't know. They're <laughs> probably, um, but to be fair, like there yeah. are some new moves out there that are pretty cool. Um, I don't know. They have ballroom dancing, don't they, or some other gymnastics ribbon yeah. competition? So rhythmic you know, gymnastics, yeah. Figure figure skating, right? So you're saying break dancing? So, a okay, whatever. Hey, listen. You know, if 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 it's a real thing and and people like doing it, um, you know, we gotta see what the potential is. I mean, seriously, there's some cool moves out there. I'm not a big dancer myself, but. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, check out my company, legacybrands.ca. We've got grow tents, grow your own. You know, every Canadian can do four plants. So we've got two plant kits. Comes with everything you need to grow four plants. We've got grow tents that come with everything, lights, fans. I got to hand it to you. I didn't think you were going to end with a commercial, Ross, and I appreciate it. Hey, hey listen, this is, this is uh, you know, Canada 2.0. I'm, I'm promoting myself. I'm promoting my company. I'm promoting cannabis. And um, a healthy lifestyle. So let's um, well, let's not uh, let's not fake it here, people. Listen. Best of luck with uh, Wada. Thanks so much for joining us, Ross. My pleasure. Thank you.